song. All right, if you want to take your Bibles tonight and go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 2. One again, one of those scriptures that you have to go to when you talk about things like pride and humility. You've got a light there. Um, I I thought, I said to myself, I said, you know, you remember uh, Jeff Foxworthy? And you might be a redneck if. Yeah, well, I thought it would be good for us, when we're talking about pride, to say you might be proud if. So I came up with about five or six things here that might be edifying to us tonight. So here's the first one. You might be proud if you expect everyone to stand when you enter the room and you are not the bride or the president. That's my best one. I hope you like that one. It kind of goes downhill from there. Um, um, you might be proud if you don't understand why they didn't hold the plan, plane just for you. Oh, good, okay, good. You giggled a little bit. That's good, okay, 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 okay. You might be proud if you frequently think or say, don't you know who I am? Okay, good, good, all right, okay, okay. All right. You might be proud if you ask your friends and they bust out laughing or faint in disbelief. If, if I'm proud and they bust out. Okay. All right. Okay. Scratch, scratch that one. Did not work. Okay. All right. You might be proud if the sermon is always for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Okay. 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 You might be proud if you're always right and, of course, never wrong. Don't poke your husband. And husbands, don't poke your wives. All right. Okay. 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 You might be proud if your three best friends are me, myself, and I. Oh, that's, that's okay. Check mark. That one was pretty good. And the last one, I've said this before, but I had to use it again. You, you might be proud if you have ever said, that's enough about me. What do you think about me? Yeah. <laughs> All right, there you go. So, so you might be proud. So, you know, really, so pride is like a thing that, that kind of sneaks up on us, okay? It's kind of like, you know, you, 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 when, you're, when you're not you know, coming out of the holidays and you've been eating just a little bit too much, and all of a sudden, you, you kind of put on a pair of pants or, or a dress or something. It's a little bit tighter than it was. And a couple pounds snuck up on you. Well, it's kind of like that, okay? Pride is like that. So, so what we want to do tonight is we want to look at a beautiful example. Of course, again, there's no other place to go stronger in scriptures than Philippians chapter 2. At the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, again, the last psalm we sang was, was again, just beautiful because it really emphasized the idea of God's majestic plan for our redemption. And that, and that, you know, Jesus died and saved us by his, listen, his intentional death. I think, I think we sometimes lose that. I think we sometimes get it, a mob took control and, you know, and, you, you know, I, I would assume, David, I assume Jesus would have had a choice. You know, because he, he said if there's any way for this to cut fast. It wasn't like, you know, God the Father was strong-arming arming him. He did it because he loved us. Okay, and so so I want you to keep that in mind that everything Jesus did for us, he did for us because he loved us. Okay, and here's the big deal. This this sermon becomes absolutely meaningless tonight, except for one thing, the humanity of Jesus. The humanity of Jesus. You've got to understand. I mean, there are some things like dying on the cross that only he as the son of God could do because he was perfect. He had to have that perfection. He had to. I, I get that. But so much of what he did he chose. Just like we would choose. Remember, he's 100% God and 100% man. So when he stubbed his toe, uh, he would call Leanne and say, need a few stitches. 
Okay, got, got, you know, my toe's bleeding, you know, stub my toe and it hurts, okay? So a lot of the things that Jesus did were just human. And so, so many of the choices that he made and, and some of the things we're going to talk about tonight in his humility were choices. And guess what? They are for us too. They are. Do not, do not, do not put Jesus, in this particular case, don't put Jesus on a non-human pedestal. He is God. I got that. Understand that. Believe that. But let him be 100% human too. And don't put the boys up there either. Because the boys were human too. All the guys in the Bible, they were all human. And so we look at this example of Jesus tonight and we go, oh, okay. He made choices that, that were humble choices. Just like we can make choices and they should be humble choices. So Paul begins in Philippians chapter 2 and saying these words. Um, and this is verse number 5. He says, uh, this is Christian Standard Bible. He says, adopt the same attitude. So he says, own this. In other words, he says, I want you to see life, do life, and think life through the lens of Jesus Christ. Now, again, that's something each one of us need. Because I'll tell you what we do. I, listen, I know us. I know us. We, A, look through the lens of the world. B, we look through the lens of our own lens. Or C, we look through the lens of religion and church. None of those will work. We've got to go through the lens of Jesus Christ. We've got to see as Jesus saw. And when Paul says, let this same attitude, um, of course, King James says, you know, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And here it says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. You've got to understand, Paul is calling us to act and think and respond like Jesus Christ would. And here's how it happens. He goes on and says in verse 6, who, existing in the very form of God, who existing in the very form of God. In other words, an exact image because he was, he was God in the flesh, okay? Existing in the form of God. He did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Now, you understand this. Every time, every time Jesus stepped into a room, he was the most important person in the room. Right? I mean, every place he went, he was the most important person in that place. He never played that card. He never played the card. He never played the high I'm Jesus, God's son, created the universe. He never played that card. He never powered up. Rather, he powered down. He really took on the form of humility. And he calls us to do the same. There's not, I can't, I'm trying to think of places we should, we should be careful that we should never think we're the most important persons in the room. We are not. We are not. We should follow the example of Jesus Christ. He never thought the fact that he was God in the flesh, something to be exploited and a card to be played. He did not do that. And neither should we. So I want to look at several examples then of how Jesus set the example in humility for us. Ways that he showed humility. And, and the first one is right here. We don't need to go anywhere else. We can go right here. And that is he died on a cursed tree. Now, keep in mind, the cross was not about an accident. It was not about a mob gone bad. It was the divine plan of God before the foundation of the world was laid to purchase our salvation. Okay? So here's how Paul says it in this scripture. Instead, rather than exploiting the, playing the guard card and exploiting the fact that he was God in the flesh, instead, he emptied himself. 
He poured himself out. I remember Paul said one time that he'd been poured out as a drink offering. He was emptying himself out. And here Jesus Christ empties himself out. How? By assuming the form of a servant. Everywhere Jesus went, instead of being, playing the God card, he played the servant card. Do we do that? Do we do that? In our, in our work, in our family, uh, gosh, you know, dads, how often do we play the power card? I'm the father, you know. You know we preachers got to be really careful that it sneaks into our lives. Okay? So, so he emptied himself out and assumed the form of a servant taking on the likeness of humanity. In other words, you know, 100% God, 100% man. And when he came as a man, he humbled himself and becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. The ultimate place. Y'all ever fuss when you get in the wrong line? I am so, like, famous for it. We're sitting there, you know, the cruise thing was really cool, you know, and so they called our group to get off of the boat, and, and we got stuck on the stairs for 45 minutes. And I don't wait in line good anyway, and I don't wait anywhere, anywhere 45 minutes good. So here I'm sitting on the, I'm standing on the step for 45 minutes, and I finally sat down on the step, okay, and finally the line started moving. It was a fupa. It wasn't there was a lot of people. It was just a fupa, okay. And so finally the line started moving, and I said, whew, boy, that's done. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I walked in this building, and there's like eight zillion people standing in line. That was only line number one. That was the baby line, and now this is the massive line, and it's the thing called customs, okay? And so what you do is you, you get in line, and you stand there. Now, normally in customs, you have to fill the form out and say, did you buy a bunch of stuff and all that? Not this time. The dude looked at my face after waiting in line for 45 minutes. Don't hear you just stating my voice, okay? He goes, okay, thank you. Looked at my passport like, hello, it's you, all right, okay? So anyway, so, so we get in line, and of course... Once again, there's three lines, you know. There's the outside line and the in, out, this outside line and this outside line and then a the middle line. Well, it seemed at the moment that the middle line was moving a little faster. <laughs> yeah, you know where this story's going. And so, and so I said to Judy, let's get in the middle line. It was a little bit shorter too, by the way, just about four people shorter. So we hopped in and yeah, you guessed it, okay? Wrong line. Wrong line. And if I could have played the I'm Dwayne Taylor, Pastor of Dorisville Baptist Church card, I'd have flopped that dude down there and gone to the front of the line. That was my attitude. You know, Jesus never did that. And the ultimate example, now grab this, the ultimate example of him taking the back of the line was the cross. He put, now watch, don't, don't, run, don't, don't run past this. He put the entire world in front of him in the line. He was dead last. Voluntarily putting the entire world, every man, woman, and child in front of him as he went to a cross and died on a cross. You want a picture of humility? That's humility. That's sacrifice. And, and, and it gets even bigger... You know, Galatians 3.13 says, Becoming a curse for us, therefore, everyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. Now, Jesus became a curse for us because anyone who hangs on a tree is a curse. That's from Deuteronomy 21.23 that Paul is quoting. So Jesus put himself last in line and became a curse for us by being hung. 
on a criminal's tree. Isn't that awesome? Oh, what a Savior. You know, who, who are we that the king would bleed and die for? Who are we that the king of the universe would bleed and die for? Isn't that amazing? Amen. It really is. It is just amazing. It's amazing. Well, knowing that you do that, now this one I know we covered this morning briefly. I understand that, but I had to throw it in the pot. It's John 13. It's, he, he not only hung on a cross and was cursed for us, he did the lowest of tasks. He did the lowest of tasks. And again, my point is not to preach the point again, but I do want to read the scripture. You know, he's in the upper room. The boys are there. And I just, I really want you to, I'm so afraid sometimes we don't get the picture. So, so they walk into the room. And as always, as a room prepared for guests, there would be a, a table or a low table there with a pitcher of water and a towel. And everyone knew the meaning of that. It, the meaning was is that someone was going to wash feet. And ordinarily, again, if you went to somebody's house, there'd be a menial servant that would do that. Well, in this room, I promise you this, I'm going to say it and not even mean it, at least in the eyes of the boys who walked to that door, they were all, all at least equals. But they, some of them, most of them, all had a pecking order. And they weren't equals. One was saying, I'm better than this person, I'm better than that one. We know that because they were arguing about who's the greatest. Amen? So there's the table. There it is. And they all walked right by it. And then comes Jesus. And here's what it says. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. So he got up. He got up from supper. He laid aside his outer garment, his robe. He took a towel that was there, and he tied it around himself. Next, he poured the water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with a towel tied around him. What a Savior. Someone's got to say amen. Are you, do you understand the implications? The king of glory. David, we sing so many songs. The king of glory. The king of glory gets up from the supper table, walks over to the servant's station, takes off his outer robe, puts on a towel, and begins washing the disciples' feet. What an example of humility. Can I ask you a question? What is something you wouldn't do? Is there a job in the church you wouldn't do because it's beneath you? Is it scrubbing a toilet? Is it changing some other child's diaper? What is it? What is it that you wouldn't do? Can I tell you this? That's the thing you need to do. Whatever barrier is there, that there's something, I'm higher than that, you need to do that to understand that you're not. So he hung on a tree, and he did the very lowest of tasks. But it didn't stop there. Jesus... Touched the sick. And Bob, not only did he touch the sick, he touched the lepers. Now again, we don't get this, we don't understand this, although we do, you know why? Because if you let someone say, I have AIDS, what do we do? Whoop, back we go. 
Okay, well, here was a religious matter as well as a life and death matter. They were very infectious, and by religion, they were unclean. And so here's Jesus. Here's the guy who washed the disciples' feet. When he came down from the mountain, this is Matthew 8, 1 through 3, and when he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. He was a rock star in their eyes. Right away, a man with leprosy came up. Now, this isn't supposed to happen. You know, if you've been in, if you've been in church just a little while, you know the rules. In the Old Testament, if you, I'm sorry, Old Testament and New Testament, if you had leprosy, you had to cry out what? You remember? Unclean. You had to shout three times, unclean, unclean, unclean. Okay? It was a warning sign. You did not associate with others that were not sick. You went and lived in a leper colony. Your friends were all lepers. And this guy shows up. And speaks to Jesus. He shows up. He says, Lord. Mm, yeah, I like that word. If you are willing, you can make me clean. If you're willing, you can make me clean. And we would say, we would say, you know, you're not even supposed to be here, first off. And secondly, you're too big of a risk. Because there's going to be two things happen if I touch you. That's what we would say. One, I could die. And two, I'm going to be ostracized. If I mess with you, then I'm going to be declared unclean myself. Can't go to church, disassociated, Pharisees want nothing to do with me. Now, you know, you're just too great of a risk. You know what Jesus did? He did something better than that. He touched him. He touched him. You know, reaching out his hand, he touched him. And I wrote down, don't know where he touched him, and I'm not sure it matters. I wouldn't be surprised if he touched the wound. His whole body may have been a wound. You know, leprosy, things fall off. And he touches him. And he touches him. He lays aside the disdain of the Pharisees and, and said, can you believe Jesus touched him? He laid aside his own personal safety and he touched him. And he said, I'm willing to be made clean. And immediately, his leprosy was healed. How's that? How's that for putting others first? Isn't that great? So what do we do? Like I said, when we preached the prodigal son, you know, through our doors every week, there were, praise God, there were, there were visitors this morning. I saw several families I did not know this morning. Thank you, God, for that. But when people walk through our door, like I said with the, with the prodigal son sermon, you know, those people often are devastated by sin. They're wounded by sin. And we've got to, we've got to predetermine what is our response going to be to them? Are we going to, open our arms and love them? Or are we going to look at them with disdain? I pray to God that we'll always love them. Jesus did. Jesus did. Amen? I mean, listen, I need to tell you, I can't just be honest, I've been with you 18 years. Ministry's risky. We've taken some hits over the years. 
helping people and it didn't turn out too well. You know what? But God has called us to be risk takers. Ministry involves risk. It's the right thing. Well, the next thing is, and this is John chapter 4, the next thing is, he traveled to hard places and talked to the marginalized. He traveled to hard places and talked to the marginalized. All right, here we go. John 4. Um, he had to travel through Samaria. Now, now let me explain that. Um, he didn't have to travel through Samaria just to, because he had to go. You know, if you're going to Harrisburg, you know, from Marion, you're pretty well going to have to take Highway 13. I mean, that's just the way it is, you know. There were other roads he could have gone to where he was going, but he had to go to Samaria because he had an appointment. You got that? He wasn't had, it wasn't a had to go to Samaria because there wasn't any other way. He had to go to Samaria because there was someone who needed to meet him. You know, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and God directs his paths. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. So he had to go to Samaria, and so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob... See, it wasn't even just any place in Samaria. It's specific. Near the property uh, that Jacob had given his son Joseph. And jo Jacob's well was there, and Jesus... I like this. Watch, watch, watch. Worn out from his journey. Humanity. He was tired. He was tired. He sat down at the well. It was about noon. What happens? Who shows up? A lady shows up. A woman shows up. Verse 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Noon was the wrong time, okay? And that shows a couple of things. One, she's Samaritan. Two, she's a woman. And so she had to come at the hottest part of the day when the shepherds weren't there so she wouldn't get harassed. Okay, so that's why she's there at noon. So a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me to drink, Jesus said to her. Because his disciples had gone to town to buy food. Now watch this. How is it? <laughs> how is this possible? How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? So he's in a he's in a hard place. Okay. And by the way, oh by the way, by the way, by the way. In case you want to know, whenever you hear Samaria, Samaria, there is a point to that. It is a racial thing. We have got so many racial barriers to overcome in America and in the church of God. Racism has no place in church. None. So when you hear this, so understand Samaritans hated Jews and Jews hated Samaritans. There's a racial deal. They, they viewed Samaritans as half-breeds. Half Jew, half Gentile. Okay? So one, he laid down a, a thing and said, I will not be racial. Okay, and then as a woman, as a sexual thing. Well, that came out wrong. A sexist thing. A gender thing. There's two reasons why he should not be talking to this woman. She's a Samaritan and she's a woman. And yet he does it. And you know, he does it all the time. He does it all the time. He talks to the sick. He talks to the poor. He talks to the rich. Jesus didn't care. We should be the same way. When people walk through our doors at our church or into our lives as we journey, we should treat every person equally. Whether they're rich or poor, black or white, green or yellow, it doesn't matter. Because it didn't matter 
to Jesus. I love verse 27 because it says, Just then his disciples arrived, they show up, and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Again, guys didn't talk to women. Yet no one said, What do you want? Or why are you talking with her? You know what they probably thought in their brains? There he goes again. Jesus just being Jesus. Jesus just being Jesus. Going to hard places, talking to marginalized people, talking if it takes it to a Samaritan or a woman. Isn't that beautiful? Aren't you glad Jesus talked to you one day? Come on. Come on. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Well, Candy, this one's for you. He ate last. Ever thought about that? He ate last. Well, Matthew chapter 15, you know the story. You know, feeding 5,000. People have been there all day. Disciples walk up and say, you know, I send these people home because we have got not food and they need to eat. And Jesus said, well, go see what you got. We've got five loaves, two fishes. And Jesus said, bring them to me. And look what it says. He commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And everyone ate and was satisfied. Except him. He ate last. Once again, going to the back of the line. Once again, others first. A humble, that's what we do. I mean, that's what we should do. We should go to the back of the line. Not just talking about eating, but that should be the way we live. Willing to go to the back of the line. All right, real quick, let's look go back to Philippians. That's the example of Jesus. When, G, when Paul said, let this mind, let this attitude be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, that's it, guys. That's what, listen, that's what God calls us to. That's the deal. That's the deal. It gets better. So he says, Paul says, now, for this reason, and really for probably all of those, for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus knew he had come from the Father. And Jesus knew that he was going back to the Father. And Jesus also knew that all things were in his hands. Here's the deal. If we will humble ourselves now, he will exalt us later. You remember the scripture from this morning? Let me read to you 1 Peter, 1, 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that He, God, may exalt you at the proper time. If we humble ourselves now and serve humbly now and get to the back of the line now, then we will be exalted in a place called heaven. He will exalt us at the proper time. So finally Paul says, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more my absence, work out your own salvation. Now, of course, we preachers always go, he didn't say work for your salvation. He said work out your salvation with reverence and trembling. Now, guess what that involves? Humility. It involves working out our salvation includes working in humility. Following the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is God, he says in verse 13, for it is God who is working in you 
in you both to work. I better try that one again. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Have you ever asked the question, Sue, what is God doing? You know, especially when circumstances go crazy. God, what are you doing? He's working out his good purpose. Good things and, and difficult things and hard things, he's working out his good purpose. You do understand that he's more interested in your holiness than your happiness. You do understand he's working out his purpose and not your purpose. You do understand it's his will and not your will. You do understand that, don't you? That's what you signed up for. That's the deal. It's not, God, you're a puppet on a string. God, you're a soda machine. Here's a quarter. Give me a soda. He's not Santa Claus. He's not the good fairy. And he's not a genie in a bottle. He is almighty God. And we are blessed to serve him and to follow him. Amen? So, here's the challenge. This week, somewhere, sometime, I'll guarantee you, you're going to walk into a room, you're going to be at work, you're going to be at school, um, you're going to be at home, and there it is. It's going to be there. It's going to be the towel in the basin. And you're going to have the opportunity to A, walk by it, or B, pick it up. And I just want to tell you what Jesus would do. What would he do? He would pick it up. It may be your wife. It may be your husband. It may be your children. It may be your coworkers. It may be a student at school. We don't know. But, but keep an eye out. There's going to be a table and there's going to be a towel in a basin. And you're going to have the opportunity to pick it up or walk by it. Do what Christ would do. Let's pray. Isn't this challenging? Several people made a comment about the message this morning. Some person says, one of those sermons where, boy, I need to wear my steel-toed shoes this morning. I got it. I got it. I understand. But let's leave the place tonight. Father, help me to be humble like your son, Jesus. And when pride tries to creep in, and know it will, I know when it tries to creep in, may we choose rather to follow Jesus than follow our own course or path. God, I want to thank you. It's been a really good day. It has. It's been a pleasure to have Judy with us this morning. She just blesses my heart. Father, for her humility and her willingness to serve, I know she would pick up the towel in the basin. She has for 20 years, putting those people in Africa first, above herself. Ultimately serving Jesus, yes, but serving the people of Africa. So thank you for that privilege. And God, we've been, hopefully we've been challenged by your word. Challenged by your word. And we're, this week when we're tempted to power up, this week when we're tempted to play our card, whatever that card is, our title or position or authority. May we power down and not power up. And may we choose to lay the card on the table. May we walk over to the table, pick up the basin, pick up the towel, and choose to serve. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.